how to have a great sex life with herpes. Today we're breaking down some stigma, breaking down some fear, some anxiety around incurring this sexually transmitted infection. For those of you that are really scared about how to position this to new romantic interests, should you, when should you, how to do it best, we'll get to that. We're also going to talk about the prevalence. We're going to talk about particularly that stigma of that it's for the unwashed, the unclean, the deplorable, not the case. 70 to 80 out of every 100 Australians already have been exposed to HSV-1, which is the oral form of herpes. Also in the US, one in two Americans between the ages of 14 to 49 already have been exposed to HSV-1 oral herpes, and I believe it's one in every eight has HSV-2. So this is an extremely prevalent virus. It's something that gets demonized. It's a terrible name. It's a ridiculous name because it inspires fear. Today, I'm here to be your shaman of herpes. <laughs> Uh, see, we're going to have some fun. We're going to have some fun with this because while I realize it is a very fear-inducing topic, I have HSV-1 herpes and I am not weighed, by, weighed down by it. I am not crippled by it. I do not allow it to run my life. You know, I do. I have to make a few adjustments here or there. I'm going to talk to you about those adjustments. I'm going to bring some guidance for someone who's reached out to me on an Instagram message here uh, who's been a long-time supporter of the show who's looking for some guidance. We'll address that. I'm going to run some hypotheticals of a couple of dates that I've been on recently to show you how I positioned it, how I positioned myself, how I would think about it. If someone came to me with HSV2, we're going to talk about these things and we're going to open up the larger of a discussion here on sexual health, making this a, maybe not a dinner table discussion, but making this uh, a casual discussion, making this a discussion in which that it's going to happen. It's going to happen. We're, we're liberal beings, we're free beings, we're sexual beings. We're going to incur these viruses that plague on that, that take advantage of that. Well, much rather it be something discussed out in the open and so that you all feel confident in navigating your journeys with sexually transmitted infections. Yosha. This podcast is brought to you by BoldDojo.com, where you can book one-on-one coaching with myself in order to create action plans, overcome limiting beliefs, destroy negative self-perceptions, and egoic attachments. Have a listening ear to the trials of your life, helping you to move forward. You can also sign up for the free weekly email newsletter, The Bold Sip. It's just a quick sip of social dynamics and anything I'm exploring on Fridays. Just go to boldojo.com, sign that up. You can also hit up the free resources of wisdom where I drop my favorite books, movies, quotes, anime, documentaries, music, all of that, all at boldojo.com. And if you would like to help support this podcast, you can donate anything that you wish through the PayPal link, paypal.me forward slash A-D-A-M-O-O-I. Link is down below in the description, or you can also donate directly through the website, also linked down in the description. Anything that you guys do donate is always extremely appreciated and just goes back to helping support the show and what I do here. So thank you very much. And if you do get anything from this piece of content, please let me know in a comment down below. I'll do my best to get back to you as soon as possible. And also please drop a thumbs up on the video. It just helps the YouTube algorithm, helps send out the video to more people in the community. And if you find that you resonated, share it with a friend who you think would resonate as well. Let's get into today's show. Okay, let's kick off this podcast with this DM sent to me by a longtime supporter of the show. I refer to him as X as always, just to keep things anonymous. And he says to me, oh, by the way, he's in his I say early to mid-twenties. He says to me, Hey Adam, I was hoping to get your guidance on something. I've been seeing this girl for a little bit now, and we're keeping it casual as we both don't want a relationship, but we are pretty close at this point. I tend to get cold sores like a couple times a year at random times. Is this something I should tell her about? As it could affect her? If so, how should I go about talking about it? Anything would help. Thanks always, and God bless. Well, thank you very much, X, for a very courageous message. This is a very sensitive topic, which it should not be, and what hopefully today will break down. So to the two most important questions that you had there, should you tell her about it and how to tell her about it? Big, big questions. Part one, should you tell her about it? This is ethics, morality. I want to say here right off the bat, I am not your God. I am not your Bible. I am not your uh, Dada Ching. I am not your way to life. 
All I'm going to talk about here is what I feel that harmonizes with myself best, what I believe to be best practices, and then you can make your own decision, okay? I'm not here to judge anyone else, which is actually really interesting that I say that and I put that disclaimer here because if you do some research online, just looking at South Australia's uh, non-profit, not-for-profit sexual health guidance organization, it's called Shine SA. If you look onto their website, they specifically address this question saying that, actually, I'll get it straight up for you here. On the article they released in 2021 about having herpes and how herpes is not nearly as bad as you think. By the way, it's a tremendous article. It lists all the facts, lists all the, breaks everything down, uh, all the stigma as well. It's a great article. So they had one part of the article saying, should I tell my partner slash partners if I have herpes? And they go on to say there isn't a rule as to whether you should tell a partner about having herpes. Some people don't tell their sexual partners and choose to choose not to have sex during an episode and practice safer sex by using condoms and dental dams. Suppressive therapy plus safer sex can reduce the risk of transmission to a partner significantly. And they then go on throughout the rest of their article to talk about uh, various things regarding whether you should tell them or not. But that's the main thesis, which is that it's interesting that they started with that. They started with actually a non-disclosure, not a full disclosure, but a non-disclosure about whether they had the virus or not. That's very interesting. While they're not explicitly saying don't tell people, they're giving you that idea. I found that very interesting because there are other people you find on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Uh, Ellie from Comfortable in My Skin, uh, Beck Antonucci, uh, who these are two females that I know in Australia that are very loud on the uh, herpes, breaking down the herpes stigma and being very positive about it. And they are all for full disclosure. So I thought I'd put those two things there just to show you that there is a variance in opinion on this. Now, as to my opinion, for you specifically, X, you're already in a sexual relationship with this girl. It is casual. It sounds like you already have or only have the oral form of herpes, which is most attributed to HSV-1. But just as a side note here, it could be HSV-2. It's not, they're not uh, mutually exclusive. Like just because someone has genital herpes doesn't mean it was necessarily because of HSV-2. It's just more common as a result of that. And it can be transmitted and passed both ways so if you go down on a girl and if you have hsv1 it could give her genital herpes if she has genital herpes and you went down on her that could give you oral herpes so it can go both ways is what i'm saying here it sounds like for you though most commonly and this is going to be the case for most people is that you have oral herpes hsv1 and that's if you're only manifesting an outbreak a couple times a year at this point i personally and this is why I, i'm I want to just put myself as if I was in your situation, which is that if I had just found out that I was positive, which it sounds like you don't, that's not the case for you. So I'm playing two different scenarios here. Let's just take that one for the first one though. If I just found out that I'm positive, then I'm definitely going to tell her. If I already know that I'm positive, but I've just been too scared to be able to tell her, I didn't know how to tell her, then I would still tell her, but I would position that. I would position and just be honest about the fact that I didn't know how to bring it up. And this is what I'm bringing up to you now. And I'll go through the facts. I'll go through and we'll go through a full run through in this podcast. It's coming up soon. Don't worry. Slow down. Slow down, buddy. We'll get there in terms of an actual conversation. I'm going to run you through some, uh, my actual conversation that I had with a girl recently and how I'd best position it. But yes, to, so to your, your optimal, most important question here, should you be telling her? In my opinion, yes, because of the fact that, as I said before, 70 to 80 out of every 100 Australians has HSV-1, which means that there's 20 to 30% of the population, at least adult population, that doesn't have it. So in the chance that you come across someone who doesn't have the virus, wouldn't you want to protect them? I mean, wouldn't you want them to at least have the choice 
Right. And this is where we're breaking down the stigma in which that it's not a life-threatening illness. It's it's an annoying illness. Oh, and even illness is probably not the right word. It's just viral infection is the best word for it, I'd say. It's because that's the literal scientific definition. But it's not a complete derailing of your life. But people think about it this way. They think about it this way because of the lack of conversation, the lack of positivity around it, or the lack of openness around it. So, but anyways, before we get into all that philosophy, getting back to it here. If you could give someone the choice, wouldn't you want to? Like, would you, in terms of just positioning them to say, just so you know, I actually tested positive for herpes, oral, HSV1. You may or may not have it, knowing on the stats, you most likely do, but you're probably asymptomatic. Now, this is not the exact conversation that I'm having right now, like with her first time on upon entry, but this, these are facts that you can, of course, bring up later in the conversation. And there's something that for us, we all need to take into account right here, which is that if, and I know this uh, gentleman isn't living in the in Australia. He lives in, um, I think he's in the US. I believe he's in the US. I could be wrong about that. But if let's just say he's in the US, I, one in two, 14 to 49s have HSV1, whether you're manifesting or not. So it's very, very common. But in the case that it's not, yes, I would want to give them a choice. Now, to that question of choice, I hear and I see in the different message threads of uh, people that talk about herpes, particularly Oh, hang on a second, my friends. Someone is just about to come in the door. I'm just going to let them in. We'll be back in one second. In. We're back, my friends. Sorry for the interruption. I'm sure there was none for you, but it was for me. I believe we were just about to talk about this idea of choice. That's where I was going with this, which is that on the message boards and in the threads that I look out on Instagram of people who have experiences with herpes and they're talking about it, there seems to be a lot of pent-up aggression about the fact that I wasn't given the choice. I can, that's why we have to have this open disclosure and full disclosure about whether you have the viral infection or not. And I, I understand where they're coming from, but it's also, it also doesn't make sense at the same time. And here's why. You could have incurred the virus at birth and never manifested symptoms up until 30, 40, maybe never. Most people are asymptomatic when it comes to this viral infection and the trigger is normally a, a form of immunosuppression where their immune system is no, no longer able to suppress the virus and so it is forced to manifest. And I'll talk to you guys more about my story in a little bit later about when that happens, but just staying here on the main point. What that means is that, and actually no, now is a perfect time to bring my story in. So when I first incurred my first ever outbreak of HSV1 herpes, which I didn't even know that's what it was at the time, I had my first cold sore, if you will, that's what the lay term is, which was literally this time last year, or maybe 13 months ago, it was the week before my 28th birthday, August 2021. And it just, there was this massive blistering, swelling, pussing, blow up balloons, just tiny little balloons on the top part of my lip, right hand side of my lip. And I didn't know what this was. I never had this before. And I just thought it was an infection. I just thought it was like a lip infection of some kind. But then I showed my mom what was going on and she goes, oh, that's a cold sore. I get them all the time. And I'm like, what? I'm like, okay. She's like, just use this cream, use this thing and it'll go away in five to seven days and you'll be fine. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I didn't do any research. I didn't look into it. I didn't. I certainly didn't associate the word herpes with it. I didn't know herpes was associated with cold sores, which is the general understanding in general population. So that happened. That was August last year. I went on throughout the rest of the year, seeing people, just living my life. You know, got to about June this year. So what's that? Three and a bit months ago. It was like early June, and I had my second outbreak. And I was like, oh, this is a thing. 
So I like I went to look into this about cold sores and worked out that oh cold sores is just the layman's term for HSV1 oral herpes. And so I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> so I better do some research into this now. And that's when I went down the rabbit hole, looking into the stats, looking into how prevalent it is, looking into how to treat it properly, the different antivirals and different protocols people get on, and et cetera, et cetera, and all these different ethical and morale questions as well. So the reason why I bring this up, so now that you have a good understanding of my story with it, and we're going to get deeper into different aspects of it as we go throughout this podcast, but to the specific aspect of why I was getting on this whole choice thing which is that, well, who gave me herpes then? Because if you rewind back to my first outbreak, I hadn't been sexually active with anyone in a solid two months prior. So for at least eight weeks prior to August of 2021, I definitely had not kissed anyone, let alone had more aggressive sexual play with anyone. So what that means is that I was already carrying the virus for at least two months prior to my first outbreak. It could have been well before that. It couldn't. It's, and so this is what I'm trying to say is that I'm not even attempting to attribute blame to the most recent girl that I was with two months prior to my first outbreak because it's not necessarily was her. It wasn't necessarily her. She may have been, she may have been uh, a carrier. She may not have been a carrier. It could have been the girl before her that was a carrier. And that's when I took it on. And because generally speaking, my immune system is robust. I haven't been sick, like even with a cold in like four years prior to a certain event, which happened simultaneously, by the way, with my first ever outbreak of herpes. So let's get to that, the trigger here for a second. What I, oh, okay, we're getting, that's like a tangent upon tangent. So let me put park that. I'm sure we'll get back to that in a certain second, but let me just finish this point, which is the whole blaming of people, the whole choice thing, which is that, listen, my friends. Unless you go and get tested and you go get a blood test, and even then it's, it's pretty hard to test for if you aren't manifesting an outbreak, right? because the only other way that they would know that you have the virus, there's only two ways. Either you get a swab from a live infection outbreak, so it's actually manifesting, or you somewhere between, I think it's like two weeks, two weeks to three months after that, your blood, in your blood, they can do a test for antibodies. I believe that's the only way, those two are the only ways Please correct me if I'm wrong, but as far as I've done my research, those and particularly just on South Australia's sexual health centers website, that's the only thing, those are the two things that they say, which is that it's hard to test for unless you've got antibodies after having recently defeated an outbreak or if you have an outbreak right now. So to finish this point, there's no use in blaming people. There really isn't. Yes, there is a scenario I can imagine in which that you have someone who's just 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 a dick who just does not give a shit and they have both HSV1 and HSV2, particularly HSV2 when it comes to genital herpes, because that's even more intimate when we're talking about getting into that space with someone where you're exchanging genital penetration and other such uh, delicious activities. Then, yeah, it's it, there's even more of like a breaking of trust there. I understand that. I do. But it's very hard to go back and say it's that person's fault. It's that person. Because, for example, let's say that you did – uh, get into a sexual dalliance with someone last Saturday night and they happen to have HSV on HSV2 and they didn't tell you, they didn't disclose. And then all of a sudden the next day you manifested with your first ever outbreak. While the chances are very high that it was attributable to that person, it's not guaranteed. You can never guarantee that it was 100% that person. You cannot contact trace that back to that person. 
it could have just been that, for example, and a coincidence there, or a lot of the times, like I said before, when your outbreaks manifest, it's mostly because of stress. When you are immunocompromised and your body just can't deal with it anymore and it just it gets past the, past the wall, if you will. So maybe you had a late night and a lot of the times when you're out on those sexual dalliances, those sexual adventures, like I said before, you are having late nights. You are staying up late. And so maybe that was the trigger. And it just so sort of happened as a coincidence. And it's actually more than a coincidence if you take into account the statistics that 70 to 80 out of every 100 Australians already has HSV-1. And it's one in every 12 has HSV-2. And in America, the stats are even more uh, voluminous. voluminous. So that's what I'm trying to say here. I want people to move away from the blame game and the fault game, which is that. And so the way, but now that we've, we've understood that, now we can look at, Back to the fundamental question of should we be telling people? In my opinion, yes. It's just now of how and when. Yes, because I want to protect those who are not currently infected. And, you know, because obviously you would rather not have it. <laughs> You'd rather not have it. Although this is something that we need to get into with the stats and with the facts of things, which is that there is no way to guarantee that you would ever have a romantic relationship with anyone and prevent them from getting it, even if you never had an outbreak for the rest of your life, because you don't have to have an outbreak to transmit herpes. It's so contagious that even just shedding of it, which means that if even just a hint, a hint, not even a blister, but just, for example, let's say that it's summer in Australia, you got the dry sun, you got the salty ocean, and you were out there, and you had a great time with this girl, and then you came back, and you know you had some dry lips, and maybe you had a microabrasion in the corner of your lip, or on the corner of your uh, healed over scar. And a little bit of the virus was able to get out of a nerve cell there as you kissed her. But it's like literally you would need a microscope microscope upon microscopes. It's that little of viral matter has been transmitted here. And that could give it to it. Right? So there's no way that you're ever going to fully protect someone. There are measures. There are antivirals. There are suppressions and whatnot. But once you got it, you got it. You're always going to be a risk. This is why it's so prevalent in society. Now that we understand that, hopefully we can all stop freaking out about it because it's not going to kill everyone. It's not going to kill anyone, actually. It's not going to kill anyone. <laughs> so anyways, moving forward here. To the how and when is definitely the more interesting part of your question, X. If we've already ascertained that, yes, we should tell people, it's just as a matter of how and when. And this is where it's going to get very specific, very nuanced as to who you are, your morality, your ethics. So I'm just going to give you my best practice and then you can adjust and you can feel it out and you can sit in deep meditation and understand it for yourself, which is what I had to do for myself. I looked at the varying opinions of full on the far right, full disclosure, on the far left, no disclosure whatsoever. You know, I looked at, and I don't, don't attach that to political ramifications. I'm just using a scale in general. All right, so I looked at the different things and I, at the end of the day, I'm just like, nah, forget what other people are saying. Just what does it feel like for me? And let's reverse the role. What? Before we reverse the role, we will reverse the role. But first off, let's go into an actual what I actually did. So if we go back to my story there, and this is where this is good. So the different parts of my story will start to filter in, start to fill in the puzzle piece for you here, pieces of puzzles here. I said that there was a triggering event for my first ever outbreak, which I believe to be the triggering event. I think it's pretty can never say 100% conclusive, but I'm 99.99% sure. So I experienced, without a doubt, shedding effects from the vaccine, the new mRNA technologies. They're not really vaccines. They're more trans-infection units. But wave you, let's just call them the shots. These new mRNA shots, when they came out and released in Australia, 
this a few months before this time last year, two people that I am very close to and that I hanged out with and spent very close time with on both occasions, separated by about two weeks each. First time, and I don't want to put them on blast, so I'm not going to mention who they were, but just know that I'm very close to them and I spent some very close time with them. They got the first two shots, Pfizer. After spending a whole bunch of time with them that day, and was that a whole bunch of time, probably about an hour and a half, two hours in that night, it felt like I took a hammer to the head. My head was just, it felt like there was concussion. It's just overwhelmed with, I guess there was a sinus blockage going along with it, but just heavy and sore. And it really knocked me out. I was like lying down on my yoga mat on the jujitsu mat and just like, holy shit. Because as I said before, I don't get sick. I don't even get colds. I'm in the ocean every day, son, especially in the winter. I'm cold plunging. My immune system is legit. It's all team first American. So it's robust. So this is very strange to me. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what this is. But next morning, woke up and I was okay. Yeah, that's weird. That's weird. It simultaneously happened after I spent a lot of really close time with someone who just had the second shot of the mRNA. Okay, noted. I didn't blame it at that time. I just noted it. Two weeks later, Someone else I am very, very close with and I spent approximately the same amount of time with, about two hours or so, got their second shot of Pfizer. I experienced the exact same symptom. That night, hammer to the head. You have to imagine that someone has just installed a giant block of cement and somehow inserted it into your brain. It just feels overwhelmingly heavy and almost like the sense of vertigo goes with it. And then the blocking of of, uh, sinuses and the hot forehead it's like, shit. Woke up the next morning, I was okay. It was only about a week or so after that that I experienced my first ever outbreak of herpes. So what I believed happened, and of course I could never say this 100% conclusively, but I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure, happy to be proven wrong, but pretty sure, that the triggering event for my for what I was already carrying, an asymptomatic version of HSV-1 herpes, was triggered into manifesting for the first time ever in my life by my immunosuppression or my compromisation, you could say, of having to deal with the shedding effects of these new mRNA technologies. Because that was almost, like I say, it was basically confirmed that if it happened on two separate occasions in exactly the same way, I never get sick ever. And because of my work that I do on Instagram, particularly during that time, I'd heard many, many other accounts of people incurring very similar shedding effects, people that spend close proximity to people who just received their second shot. And so I was like, okay, that seems like a a likely explanation. Okay. And so that's what I thought triggered my first ever outbreak of the HSV-1. Now, getting into why I brought this, I needed to tell you guys that part of the story in this podcast anyway, but why that fits into this stage of the podcast is because I was going on to, I'm going to tell you a story about uh, how I positioned to a girl just recently, how it is that I, and how I go about having the conversation with her about this. But what you need to understand is that, and my backstory into this is that I didn't have a conversation with anyone. I didn't tell anyone. And by the way, this is the first time ever publicly I'm ever addressing the fact and putting out there that I have HSV-1 herpes. I've never done this publicly before, but after that first outbreak last year, like I said to you, I didn't even know it was herpes. I just thought it was a cold sore, right? I didn't, I didn't know that was attributed to herpes. So I had a couple sexual relationships, several sexual relationships actually in between then until, what was, when did I meet her? March? I think I met her March. So between last August and to this March, I'd seen a few different girls and I didn't 
know anything. I didn't have any conversations about them because first off, I wasn't even aware that I had herpes. So if I could go back, I would definitely change that, but I can't go back. So I definitely apologize for that. Now, to why did I pull the time marker at March? Because it's going to be relevant because I'm going to refer to that girl a little bit later in terms of running a role reversal later on. Just pinning that there so you guys understand there's an important girl that happens in March. But putting that to the side, don't worry, we're well onto this. I've got you guys. Uh, I've got you guys on the journey. I've got you guys on the story. So, how I how I actually disclose that I have herpes to people? How I position that conversation? We're going to go through the principles at the end, but I'll take you through the story first because actually, as I said to you guys, this is a very recent thing for me, and I had to do it for the first time just two weeks ago. It was about two weeks ago that I was out on a date with a girl. Second dates. Oh, that sounds very nerdy. I was the second time we met up, and. You know, we had met on the beach the first time, and there's a cool vibe. It was very chill. She's early to mid twenties. Uh, let's just call her. Let's call her Mia. It's a fake name. Fake name Mia. Uh, I call her fake name Mia. She's an Aussie girl, early twenties. And I suggested on our second time meeting up that we would go to Himeji, which is a Japanese garden original recipe. Though it came straight from Japan. It was like a sister city in Japan transported over to South Adelaide, South Australia. It's legit. You've never been there, South Terrace. It's legit. It's so zen, it's so peaceful. It's turtles, as fish. Oh my God. So, getting beyond these turtles and fish. We're in the, we're in the dry rock garden. And I've got a couple of pillows there and there's actually no one else around. We're just talking life, we're talking chop. And she's got this long flowing brown hair with the golden highlights and fit, fit athletic body. I'm trying to, I'm trying to paint the picture for you guys here. She's on a little pillow. I brought a couple of pillows. She's on a little pillow off to my left. I'm on a right. We're looking out into the gardens, and this is like in the, like the viewing bay of the. So that's the setup, and there's just rains pouring down, but it's at that pitter patter. It's very light. It's a beautiful moment, and I sense in that moment, you know, we're not literally shoulder to shoulder, but we're kind of on that V, so we can you know look into each other's eyes as we're talking, and you know, I sense a moment. I sense that moment. I looked into her eyes a little too long, just a little too long, and she made that. That, that pause with the lips, when a girl pauses with the lips because you looked at her a little too long and you just have no choice. You have no choice but to kiss her. So I lean in, looking her straight in the eyes like a kid on Christmas morning. She's like a kid on Christmas morning. Looking her in the eyes, I go in and I kiss her. Couple couple sweet motions. Couple sweet motions. It's just hearing the rainfall as our lips press together. I pull back, run my hand along the side of her neck, just kind of cupping her cheek, breathing in that moment. We go back to just absorbing, absorbing and observing the moment. At a certain point within my heart, it started to beat really fast and it goes, I feel like there's something here. I feel like there's something deeper here. This doesn't seem like the kind of girl that I'm just going to uh, never see again after this. And so it's very likely I'm going to have to tell her at some point. Now, remember, I only got privy and savvy, I should say. I only got savvy to this whole herpes thing and the idea of telling people about it and getting into the stats of things and doing research on it. Uh, June? June-ish? Yeah, so it's not been long. It's been like two to three months at that point because this only happened two weeks ago. So this is the first time I'm ever like even thinking about on a with a new sexual interest having to position it to her. 
But I go, if she's here for the human, then surely it won't matter. Like surely there's a way of working around this. Because I'm not going to lie to you guys. There was a sense of trepidation. There was a sense of anticipation of maybe this was not going to go well. Like maybe this is not going to fly well. Because I don't know what her experiences and stigma might be around it. And that's when I go, well, that's why you have to do it. Now, not that I'm having this conversation in my mind in the moment, but these are all things that I thought about prior. Because I thought about, you know, it's we didn't kiss on our first time meeting up. So it's very likely we're going to kiss now. So the kisses happened. We're sitting there in the garden and we're just chilling. We're just melting. And it just occurs to me as it's just, it feels really good. We're very comfortable. She's holding my hand and rubbing the inside of her leg. And, you know, while it's, there is some sexual vibes, there's some sexual energy. It's very sensual as well. Like, there seems to be something of a spiritual connection here. I'm feeling that trust is what I'm trying to say. I'm feeling that trust. And so I say, fuck it, in my mind. And I position myself way more fronting up to her. So I just turn my body in. We're sitting on little pillows and on the ground. On the ground, I should imagine that. That's why we're on pillows. So I turn my body in to be far more, not quite shoulder to shoulder, but pretty close. And then that kind of gestures for her to become shoulder to shoulder to me. So we're pretty much eye to eye at this point. And I said, oh, listen, there's something I've got to tell you. And again, that that Christmas, that kid or Christmas morning look crosses her eyes, like excitement, but also a trepidation of what the hell is this guy going to tell me here? And say, so, listen, this is something very vulnerable for me. This is something I've never shared with anyone before. So please bear with me as I'm about to go through this with you. But I feel like I need to tell you this. And she's like, okay, okay. Like, All right. So I recently found out that I have the oral form of herpes, HSV1. Just add a little pause there. Her eyes are just like locked, just as I am with you on YouTube right now, just locked. She doesn't say anything. She just barely nods. She's just got like this kind of childish, childish wonder, like a childish wonder on her face. And so I let that sit. And I'm like, okay. So in my mind, I'm like, all right, keep going. And I just wanted to let you know about this because in case you don't already have it, I wanted to give you the chance to, you know, either back up maybe take a decision here in which that maybe you don't feel comfortable going deeper because I sense there's, you know, there's a, there's a vibe between you and I. So I just wanted to put it out there first, give you the chance, give you the chance to make your mind up about it. And if you uh, wanted to know anything more about it, just, you know, let me know. And sat it right there. Sat it right there. And she almost starts laughing. Like, it's like this small giggle. Like, you know, it's like when, when girls get embarrassed. They get embarrassed and they kind of like look away as they laugh. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> she's like, Adam, why are you? you? <laughs> it's like right now. She's like, okay, you're making this way more than it is. And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, I've got friends that have got this and I know what it's like. Well, I don't have it myself. It's like, I really appreciate you coming out and, and well, coming out. I'm, I think that's actually the word she used. I really appreciate you coming out and having the honesty to tell me, but it's really nothing for you to worry about. Like, I'm totally okay with it. And I'm like, shit. Sure. <laughs> I was like, okay. I was, I was like stunned, shocked at the fact that she, because I previously had no concept of what herpes was. I had no concept of what uh, cold sores are misinterpreted as, how people don't realize, like as myself, didn't realize cold sores are actually HSV1 herpes. And 
And so I actually a lot of this I'm that I'm talking to you about right now, I'm saying to her as well. I'm going, wow, like I thought this was like gonna be like a big shock for you and like I didn't I didn't want to turn things sour here. And she's like, no, no, not at all. Like, but thank you very much for letting me know. And so then I was like, but hang on. Like, it took a deep pause, like a deep breath. I'm like, so, so you don't care? Like, you, you don't you don't care about the risk the risk manager? And she's like, well, listen, I, I don't research it on the daily. So definitely tell me what you know. But from what I can tell from best of my friends that have it, is that it's not like the end of the world. It's it definitely doesn't kill people. And I'm like, for sure, it doesn't kill people. So then I proceeded to unload the statistics on you know one in every second american 14 to 49 years old has hsv1 and one in every eight has hsv2 australians 70 to 80 out of every 100 has hsv1 so i went i went through all that how prevalent it is and she's like oh shit i didn't realize how common it was she's like i didn't know that i didn't know it was that common and then i said yeah you probably have it as well you just don't even know and she's like shit i probably do and I'm like so it's like the conversation is very light at this point it gets very light we're just openly chit-chatting about it really in this Japanese Zen garden of things. And then, so, but and then I do say to her at like a certain point, I'm just like, but just, just to be sure he's like, but you, well, actually it started this way and then it resolved as well, resolved itself. She asked me how often I have outbreaks or how long I've had it for. And I said, well, I've actually only ever had two outbreaks in my entire life. The first one I didn't even realize, which was last year that it was herpes. And then the last outbreak was at the beginning of June. So I've only had it twice in two years. And otherwise, I just don't even, I'm not on antivirals. I'm not on any type of pharmaceuticals regularly because my immune system is pretty robust. And she goes, okay, so um, what's there to worry about then? And I'm like, but you do realize that I can still transfer it to you if I'm asymptomatic. And she's like, yeah, yeah, okay, that's fine. <laughs> she's very chill. She's like, she's like, we're all, we're all, this is all, we're all human beings out of Like, we're all human beings. And it's so amazing how, even though I had in my research, listening to the different opinions and the different, and looking at different stories about people that have disclosed, you know, you hear about these stories about people actually pretty open to it. If you can explain it in the right way, you can handle it in the right way, which I'll, I'll go back over the principles in a second, but just continuing the story. So there is a sense of trepidation and anticipation of fear and anxiety that might be born and arise from this type of conversation. But I want to, but those were alleviated very, very quickly because she's a legit girl. She's a legit person. So now let's retrack over the principles of the story. The timing, and actually this will be more specific for X. And actually, no, it's for everyone, but he did actually ask in the, his question, which is that when, when to position this conversation here. And don't worry, X, I'll get back to how to handle your specific scenario with a girl you've already been with. I'll get to that after this. But just to kind of lay things out organically or in their natural progression of things, which is that the reason why I told her and the reason why I decided to tell her that I have HSV1 herpes, oral form, is because of the connection I felt with her. Now, you notice that it happened after the first kiss. So someone might push back there and say, playing devil's advocate, but if you can transfer the virus asymptomatically to the degree in which that you're just not manifesting an outbreak, but it's still possible for you to manifest it, isn't that still risky kissing them? And it's like, that's where you're having to make a judgment call. That's where I'm drawing the line in the sand and going, we have to manage two things here. We have to manage the balance of organic sexual polarity, the dance between masculine and feminine energy, in which that we want to keep things as organic as possible for as long as possible without introducing unnecessary frameworks such as relationship structures, such as sexual health. Un- what I would consider at this point unnecessary sexual health information 
it's not necessary at that point yet based on my, and we'll get to that. I'll get to my reasoning behind that, but also unnecessary financial and social security stipulations. So for example, EG, I'm not going to have sex with you until you say you're going to be my boyfriend. I'm not going to have sex with you until you give me money and gifts. We've discussed these stories. We've discussed these exact stories on this podcast across the last six years. Do not forget my client in Las Vegas who went on that instant date with that girl, met in the mall, yes, met in the mall, took her out for a coffee date on the same day, literally from the same mall at that same time, went back to her apartment and there. On the get into the sitting on the couch, taking his sneakers off. She jumps on him. They start making out. They get into the bedroom. She's basically riding him. They're almost naked at this point. And she says, oh, but just before we do, you're going to give me money and gifts, right? Money and gifts. Just a complete explosion of the organic, pure essence of masculine and sexual, masculine and feminine sexual polarity and the dance between the two. It's just abomination. But one of the greatest stories, I literally just told one of the greatest stories of all time within the space of 30 seconds. <laughs> Like it's, it is legitimately one of the best stories I've ever received. It's just, it's, uh, fuck, I can't remember which podcast it is and it's going to derail the podcast, this podcast right now, if I try and go back into the archives. Listen, if I can remember, I'll drop it in the show notes, but it's great. Anyways, anyways, moving on. All I was saying that is because, yeah, people try to infect relationships or what I should say, organic social spaces with what I refer to as frameworks, structures, unnecessary structures and frameworks, such as the relationship, social, financial securities of things. So when it comes to sexual health now, if you have HIV AIDS, if you have, say, if we're talking about gonorrhea or chlamydia, and, you know, even genital herpes, something like that, yeah. You're going to see, you're going to have to, it's going to be very nuanced is what I'm just trying to find out in this conversation right now. And the nuance that I drew for myself was that, I haven't manifested an outbreak in an, over three months. I've only had two in my entire, well, well, I say my entire one year of knowing that I have it, but obviously I had it for a lot longer than that. I just was asymptomatic and I'm not run down right now. I'm not stressed. My immune system has a very good handle on this right now. I'm sure it's suppressing it very well right now. I think it's very low risk for me passing it on to her just to give her a couple of kisses on the, on the lip to test. Now, why is that important, by the way, to test the sexual energy between us? That's why I'm drawing the line here when it comes to when I'm going to tell, which is that I'm not going to walk throughout the rest of my life never having an organic kiss with another woman ever again because before that, I felt the need to have to tell her that I have herpes HSV-1 and that there maybe is a 2% chance for someone like myself who is, generally speaking, has an extremely robust immune system that is suppressing that virus. It's, it's like, that's not a life that I want to live. And I'll take that. I'll take that on the head. It's like, I'll, I'll take that risk is what I'm saying. To just kiss a girl for the first time, the first kiss. Then after that, I will tell her. That's the decision that I made. Now, let's take another example here. What if you have HSV2 when it's genital herpes? That's definitely a lot more intimate. I would still make this, like, for example, let's say I had HSV2. I would still make the same play. I would still kiss her and I would still allow that to happen organically first to make sure we are harmonizing two things here. Yes, safety. Yes, health. But also, yes, organic social dynamics. Getting the best of both worlds. But then I would definitely not have sexual and very aggressive sexual play or even any sexual play really that exposes genitals to each other if I have HSV2. I'm definitely going to let her know before that. Even if I've got good suppression, whether you're on antivirals or your just immune system is just rock solid, whatever it is. Okay, 
that's where I'm drawing the line. That's for me personally. I think that addresses all the how. Oh, no, no. And now to address X's particular story in terms of that he already has known for quite some time that he has cold sores, HSV1 herpes, but has not told a woman that he's in a current casual relationship with. So, listen, X, I'm not here to judge your ethics or morality. And a lot of the times in these podcasts, I would say, hey, it's a big no-no if I think you've made a mistake. But I actually don't think you've I'm not in a position to say that you've made a mistake. Like That's really not my position. This is not the same as someone breaking a principle of social dynamics where it's such a clear-cut black and white, yeah, you really fucked up here, which I'm very want to do. Like, I'm very happy to do when I'm breaking down people's stories and client stories, et cetera, and my own stories. But in your scenario, say, I don't know if you realize that cold sores is a lifetime permanent viral infection as a result of herpes simplex virus. That's what I mean by HSV. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure if you know that. I don't even know if you know that because I was actually in the same position as you. That's why I can't judge you because for an entire year, I had cold sore. I was aware that I had had one cold sore. I just didn't know what that meant. So I don't know if you're in the same position. So I'm not going to judge you that harshly. So this is what I'll say. Now that you do know, I think it's really important as a masculine being any being, human being, but speaking to you as a masculine being, that you honor the principle of authenticity. What do we talk about? Direct, congruent, authentic, with empathy. This, well, it's using all principles, actually. It's using all four principles, but it really hammers on the authenticity principle here that if you know now that you have this disease, uh, viral infection, I should say, good, call myself that, caught it, good. There is a chance that she and you haven't had this discussion with her, which I'm taking, there's a chance that she doesn't have it and that you could protect her by giving her the option to peace out any further. Listen, it's very likely if you guys have already had a sexual, you've already had sexual intimacy, it's likely you've already passed it to her, whether she's symptomatic or not. It's, but, or if, if not, I should say that, it's very likely you have, or if she already had it before you and she was already carrying it. Anyone who's, what I'm trying to say here, anyone who's living a life of casual sexuality is likely going to incur the virus very, very quickly. It's just a matter of whether you're presenting and manifesting symptoms or not. As is how the statistics presented so prevalently. So regardless though, you just don't know. You don't know until you have the conversation. So embrace the conversation as I did with the girl that I mentioned two weeks ago. And the way that I position it for you, there's really only one thing that needs to change. If we go back over the principles of how I positioned it, which is that I would just offer that that point of authenticity saying that, because and I don't know the situation for you, so I'm going to generate one here hypothetically. You will obviously have to apply the actual mindsets that you had, the awareness that you had. But let's say that you genuinely were very similar to me. You just didn't know as most people that cold sores is just a layman term for herpes, manifestation of it. Then and then you came to find out by listening to this podcast and then on the very, so it's literally a week after this, you saw her the next time and you say, hey, listen, Jenna, fake name. Listen, fake name, Jenna. We're going to sit down while you, okay, back up here a second. It's not a military organization. I'm just talking, I'm still in podcast mode. I've got to slip into pretending I'm you now. <laughs> so you're out on your date night together. You're out chilling, you're watching. And actually, this is something I would probably recommend because this is just a general principle. If you're going to go into a conversation in which that there is some trepidation, there is a, some potential anxiety, there's a first time for it, then make it low energetic, right? Keep the noise low. Don't be having this conversation in a cafe, over the dinner table, you know, out of the movie theater or whatever. Just get somewhere natural, 
natural. I don't know why it came out so weird. Go, get somewhere natural. Get into the beach of things. Get into the grass of things. Get into the waterfall of things. Get into the, the candle and rug. Right? Just make it very low energetic noise so that the signal can be communicated as clearly as possible so that she can read and give you the best possible response. So set up that space. That's all we're saying. Set up the space. Once you set up that space, the only thing I would change about how I would position it, and if you look at the principles of how I position it, which I don't think I clarified before, but to put a point on it now, which is that number one, just by saying that and opening with, this is a very vulnerable point for me. This is a bit of a sensitive point for me. However you want to phrase it, just take the structure work, take the structure it's vulnerable, it's sensitive, it's a first time thing for me, which it will be for you, and it was for me with this girl a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, that won't be the case after this, but it's worth saying uh, for your first time, if it is your first time. But just the point, just offering that, you know, this, this is actually a bit of a difficult thing for me to discuss, a bit of a vulnerable thing, a bit of a sensitive thing, okay? Put that out there and let her absorb it. That's why I added those silences, those pauses, just to let her drink it in, let her drink in the energy. Don't need to rush this. Don't know, rush this juice, all right? So just let it sit. She absorbs it. Letting her know that, yes, you believe you have, and I'd recommend getting tested when possible, but it's pretty clear if you have cold sores, you have HSV-1 at minimum, that you have herpes, that, yes, I tested positive, or I recently come to find out that I have herpes in the oral form, cold sores, I had to let you know because, and I'm being 100% honest with you here, I'd known that I've had these cold sores for some time, but I wasn't aware that it was this viral infection that you actually carry for life and can pass on to other people. I didn't know it was that was the general definition of things. And so I actually apologize for not being upfront with you and not being aware enough to be able to communicate that to you at the beginning and not giving you the choice first and foremost to whether you wanted to progress the sexual relationship with you or right. So I wanted to bring it up now and give you that time to think about things now, just being as upfront and honest of you as possible. That's it. So the principles there being that, oh yes, of course, communicating the fact that you have the herpes, but then second of all that, actually, I'm sorry that I didn't tell you sooner. If you've been in a relationship with someone sexually, even if it's just casual, and you know a few times have gone by and you just didn't know, whether it was that you just didn't know or that you did know and you didn't have the courage to tell them. Listen, you're going to get stronger. You're going to get, and this is what I'm going to start to talk more about in this podcast, about the more, I was going to use the word spiritual. We're going to start to talk about the more developmental ideas here. We're going to talk more about the ideas about forming who you are, about moving away from places of fear and anxiety, resentment, shame, guilt, We're going to move away from those things and step into the power of things, step into the directness of things, step into owning who it is and who we are as human beings in this life and being willing to tell people when we've made mistakes, own up to the fact that we made a mistake, not expecting that they would give us a ticket back into their life. We don't hold that expectation. We just have care for them. As I said said many times, on one hand, we have the care for them. On the other hand, we have the deletion of expectation. Care for them, have no expectation. You'll master yourself and allow others to master themselves. Right, these are our principles. And if you can put this together, then it's very hard for someone, while they may be a little bit uh, upset or disappointed in you, it's going to be hard for them to stay upset and disappointed in you for a very long time if they're sensing that level of authenticity from you. So that's what I would do in your position. You just need to adjust it 
to whatever was actually the case for you because obviously I don't know. I don't know if you're aware or unaware. So that's what I'll do. And then after that, letting based on her response, you know, whether, for example, like the girl in my situation, she already knew a lot about it. But let's say that she didn't know a lot about it and let's say the girl in your situation doesn't know a lot about it and she's just a little bit confused and she goes, ah, uh, okay, I, was, I don't really know what that means. Like I've heard the word herpes before, but I don't really know what, like, what is, what is it? What does that mean? So then you would just go through the outlay of like, yeah, I'll be happy to fill you in. So this is how it manifests for me particularly. It manifests different from different people. But for me, I get, if I'm really run down and my immune system is compromised, just because I'm really stressed, late nights, bad food or whatever, then, and it really, for me, by the way, it's only happened like a couple times a year at maximum, as in I'm talking as if I'm X right now, because that's what he said to me. It happens at random times of year, a couple times a year, and just when those factors are present and I just get like this kind of blistering on my lip if I don't get to it fast enough. There are some antivirals you can take to help suppress it. And actually just, I know there's a lot of, you might not know a lot about it, but there's a lot of stigma around it. People don't realize how prevalent it is. People don't know that, yes, one in every second person in the US, 14 to 49, has a HSV1, you know, and the different stats we talked about here in Australia, 70 out of, 70 to 80 out of every 100 people have it. So, hitting her with the prevalence of things and really, and really just kind of reframing the fact that this is not going to kill you while it's not something that you necessarily want it's definitely not going to kill you right just putting the lightness on it putting understanding on it giving her the idea that actually this is just as really it's you could almost think of it as almost as common as a common cold if you would think about it in terms of how many people go through it in the winter season particularly uh, whether they're manifesting symptomatically or asymptomatically like it's just that common if over 3.1 billion people in the world have it, that's a lot of people, <laughs> according to the WHO statistics based on 2017, I believe. So anyways, moving on, that's what I'll do. I'll then go into the discussion and explain uh, the different ideas around it. And then it's on her. It's on her as to whether she would like to progress or not. And by the way, this is a really good thing that I didn't have to say to the girl two weeks ago because she already said it for me. Well, she made it so that I didn't have to say it, which was that, if she hadn't already given me the idea that this is not a big deal for her, then I definitely would have said, and by the way, whatever you decide, it's totally okay. There'll be no bad blood. If you decide that you don't want to, you don't want to partake in this anymore, that's totally cool. We can just keep it friends and that's all right. You're not going to get me cut up over this. However you want to phrase it, I'm giving you different ideas here. Just letting her know that. If she didn't already give you a solid idea that actually this is not a big deal, just letting people know that, you know, it's while it is their choice and if their choice is to no longer partake in sexual activity with you, then no worries, no worries, no worries at all. Like I said before, care for you, deletion of expectation, both of those things, master yourself. So I think that manifests, I think that covers both the why you should do it. So it's really the three pronged things we've gone through here at the beginning of this podcast. Why in terms of we should be telling people and disclosing that we have the herpes simplex virus when we should be doing it for me just to recap that because it's going to be very much based on whether you have hsv1 hsv2 or whether it's manifesting orally or genitally then there's going to be some nuance there but in general that you're never really going to go wrong early like you're never going to go wrong mentioning it too early uh, to that question though it's just like i don't think it'd be the worst thing in the world prior to the first kiss to tell her that this is a fact about you but for me personally, that first kiss 
is so important to me. It is one of the most important things in the world. And if I know myself that I'm not a constantly stressed out, constantly run down, constantly at risk of manifesting outbreaks, and I know you can still pass it on when you don't have outbreaks, but such a low risk, right? Then I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. And the reason why I'm okay with that is just because of how prevalent it is in society. If we were talking about a prevalence rate of one in every hundred, not 70 to 80 in a hundred, so it's like literally one in a hundred people, then I probably, I would probably change this and I probably wouldn't kiss someone before letting them know because then the risk would be higher. So we're just managing the risk benefit ratio, if you will, where the risk benefit analysis here, the stratification of risk is what we're talking about here. So that's why I'm choosing that timing there that I'm happy to go through the first kiss if I know that I am a very, generally speaking, a very well-balanced individual uh, immunity-wise. And I feel like I want to preserve that first kiss always as much as I can. So that's why I'm putting that block in there. And then if I had genital herpes, then I would definitely be telling her before that, even so, just because it's more intimate, just because it's more skin to skin, if you know what I'm saying, just because people could view it as a more sensitive topic for sure. It's sensitive timing, I guess we would say there. So that's the timing of things. Now, in terms of the how, we went over the how principles as well, making sure that you just let them know that this is a sensitive, vulnerable issue for you and that stating the actual fact of the, what you actually have, how it manifests, that it's okay, that if they want to peace out, yeah, that's really it. What I'm trying to paint for you guys right now is that it shouldn't be a military strategy. It shouldn't be something that takes you hours the night before just molding around in your mood in your room going how the fuck am i gonna get this done like it shouldn't inspire fear and anxiety although i know it does but any fear and anxiety that it's inspiring is only from a lack of experience right and this is something that i want to really nail down for you here which is that for those that would rather deflect and either not tell them or to do it via text not telling them is going to lead to a pathway of resentment. That's why, and I should have played, I probably should have played this out a little early in the podcast. If I didn't hammer on it enough, I don't know, we're a little bit deep now, but I'll do it now. What if in the case that you actually were the one that transferred to her, not that you would ever be able to tell, but if it was very likely that you did, right, and you were the one that transferred the virus to her and you hadn't told her, for X here particularly, he's been in this relationship, sexual casual relationship with this girl for, I don't know, a few months, he said a little bit, that's a few months to me at the most. And let's say that, I don't know, next week, she texts him saying, ah, sorry, I can't meet you up because I've got this uh, this weird blister thing. I've got this weird lip infection or whatever. And she sends like a photo. I'm like, oh, shit. It's like, I can't confirm it, but it's probably very much likely because of me. What if not even that? What if just in a couple of weeks' time, you get a cold sore? What if things just manifest even more? And then some people might say to play a devil's advocate there is go, oh, you could just ghost her. Well, how about not? How about not be an immature psychological being? How about not be girlhood or boyhood psychology? How about actually not ghosting people, right? How about actually being just direct, upfront, outstanding beings who are just honest with people, right? So at some point, what I'm trying to say here, X, at some point in your journey with her, it's very likely, and if not with her, with someone else, that you're going to have to disclose this at some point. So you're going to have to get good at having this conversation because once you got the virus, you got it for life. It's in your bloodstream for life. So let's not run away. It's not a run away from difficult conversations. The good is in the difficult. You'll find your power. 
You'll find your strength in the difficult conversations. You'll find your power in realizing that if someone was going to reject you because you have a virus that is so prevalent in society that one in every two between a certain range in the US has it and you know even more than that in Australia has it. You know, it's like, well, not that you could have more than one in two, but you know what I'm saying. It's, it's, there's so many people have it. It's like, if someone's going to reject you because of that, is that the person you want to be with? If someone's going to reject you because you were so upfront with them, free willing with the disclosing of very sensitive information, which for you, hopefully, is no longer very sensitive. I want you to get to the place that I've come to in which that is not sensitive. It's like, it's once you understand, it's like the particularly the prevalent statistics, it shouldn't be that sensitive. It's like, it's just an annoying thing. It's an annoying thing that if I'm not taking care of myself very well, it takes care of me. You know what I'm saying? Like, it gives me a bit of a run. So it, as long as I'm running well, it doesn't get a run. And so if you think about it that way in a very lighthearted way, because really that's the way you should be thinking about it, and someone was still to reject you because of that, because they're so fear-based, because they're like, holy shit, he's got herpes, he's like, fuck, this, this is the witch, right? Or this is this is the this is the scurve, this is the the scourge of society, this is the plague, this is COVID. <laughs> This is COVID. All right, this is is alpha variant. Right, this is a Wuhan variant. If if they're gonna be that Karen about it, do you want to be with a Karen? If you got a girl that because as a result you told her that you had HSE one herpes oral form, which most people have, if not symptomatically, definitely asymptomatically. And she freaks out because of that. Is that a girl that you want to be with after enlightening her on the statistics and the prevalence? I don't think so. I don't think so. So right there, you've already got a really good filter in a way. You've already got a really good selective focus on who you want to bring into your life. You've got a good understanding of that. If I, and this is a freedom principle here, a freedom principle of social dynamics in which I call the freedom effect, which is that the more free you are, the more you invite someone else to be free with you. As you're going out and you're hanging out with a girl on the first time or you're out and you're reeling your burgeoning dates here and your burgeoning experiences together, and if she can see that you are free with your verbal and physical expression, that your comfort zone is actually very wide, that when you're walking through the mall and you're walking down the beach, you're walking through the gardens and there are other people around, that you don't constrict your conversation within a two by two square meter zone so that only she could hear you. You don't restrict your physical engagement, the way that where and how you walk, how you gesture with your hands, what you engage with within this physical realm we call reality, that you don't restrict that to two by two square meter. You know, it's no, it's like, I'm free with myself. I'll, I'll talk to other people. I'll engage with other people. I'll make use of this home that we all call earth. If she can see that, that invites her to do the same. She sees that you're free, she can be free. Exact same principle can be applied here in these difficult conversations. If you're going to come into a conversation with fear-based expectations, with scarcity-based expectations, with neediness-based expectations in which that you're needy for their approval, that you just want them to seek and approve, then you're going to come up things and the tonality, the inflections on your tonality, the skittishness in your body language, the fear in your body language is going to be communicated and that is definitely going to color the message. It's going to be very hard. It's going to be very hard to convey to a girl that actually this is like, it's, it's not as big of a deal as people think. If you are simultaneously conveying through your body language, it's a pretty big deal. <laughs> but not a pretty big deal because you think the virus is a big deal, but because you think that how she's going to think about the virus is a big deal. You need to let that go. And so in my, and I, I'm right there with you guys who are at the beginning of the journey because I'm at the beginning of my journey. Now, I'm speaking as if I've been dealing with this forever. And the reason why is because a lot of the principles that I had to demonstrate with the girl I was with a couple of weeks ago, are just the, 
same principles that I've been learning and training throughout all my life with social dynamics. Direct, congruent, authentic with empathy. Freedom effect, right? Enlisting in other people's compassion and empathy. Not coming from fear-based, anxious-based, neediness-based, seeking of approval-based mindsets. All these same things apply. It's just a different face. It's a different mask now. So I look back on my performance, if you will. I look back on my execution and I go, I would still do it basically the same way. It's just that maybe I maybe I made it a little bit more solemn than it was. Maybe I was, maybe, but then again, I say maybe because I can only say that in retrospect because I didn't know how she was going to perceive it. I didn't know that she already had friends that had it and that she had already been exposed to the idea of it and she was actually pretty chill about it. What if she wasn't chill about it? So it's only, I only say that I felt a little solemn when I say solemn, like I was a little, uh, okay, here, here we go. Like, this is something I'm going to tell you. It's a bit vulnerable for me. And it's like, no, I think that's right. I think I'll do that again. Like, Guys, this is a working journey for me as well. I don't pretend to be a 10-year veteran of having disclosure conversations with herpes. I'm very new to it. I'm a baby to it. This is my first one two weeks ago. Yeah, I feel like it was a positive outcome for her. It was a positive outcome for me. And if I was to do it again, I probably wouldn't change much. I wouldn't change much. If you just look at the factors of what I said, it's a bit vulnerable for me. Just let me work through it. That's literally what I said word for word. It's a bit of a vulnerable thing for me. Like, you know, front up with her, a bit vulnerable for me. Just let me work through this. I'm going through it for the first time. She's like, okay. Well, she didn't even say anything. She just looked at me with that look in the eyes. I said, yeah. So I found out that I have oral herpes, HSV1. Hit the pause, right? And I just want to let you know, you know, it just gives you the choice. And so she breaks away, starts to laugh, and she goes, Adam, you're making much more of this than it needs to be. Not her exact words. That's what she's saying. She goes, I got friends that have got this. I understand what it's about. <sighs> so... Anyways, moving forward, getting back on the principle here, getting back to the main principle. <laughs> that was a major tangent. Don't freak out. Don't give them a reason to freak out. How about that? It's like the same thing with animals. You, the horse will be just fine. The horse will be just calm if you are just calm. And so this is where I'd like to take the podcast. I would like to take this into a role reversal. Because I think this really helps. And by the way, this is what helped me the most. Seeing all the different perspectives from the female side, seeing the different perspectives from the CDC, the WHO, the Shine SA, seeing all these different perspectives, these different opinions, what you realize around this herpes discussion is that while we all agree that it's not nearly as serious and life-threatening as what mainstream society makes it out to be and how it makes you to seem like this dirty, unwashed, deplorable, just cretin, <laughs> cretining around, around the globe, and that you should be barred from all sexual activity for the rest of your life. Absolutely not. So apart from, well, we all agree that that's not the case. And I think all the boards and all the people agree that's not the case. And we're trying to work to break that stigma, which I'm hoping I'm doing for you here as well. But where I see the disagreements is in the things I talked about, the timing around them, the morality and the ethics about when you would and how you would, and et cetera. And I've just given you the best practices for me, what it feels most comfortable for me. I'm sure people will disagree. I'm sure there's going to be someone out there who goes, no, 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 you shouldn't even kiss anyone if you have herpes. You should definitely tell them before the kiss. And that's when I push back and go, no, <laughs> I'm not going to live my life that way. It's like, I'm not going to corrupt that first kiss by adding that extra element that might get them worried if, if for say, they don't know anything about it. It's like, so that's where I draw my line, but you can draw your line where you want to draw it. And I want to get to this role reversal now. How did I come to drawing my lines? How did I come to my own ethics and morality at this early stage? Not to say, and I want to say right now, it's not to say that I won't change my mind in a year. Maybe in a year time, I might be more liberal or more conservative on this topic. I don't know. 
I'm still working it out, but this is what feels good for me. And how I got to what feels good for me feels good for me is in a deep meditation. After surveying the savannah of herpes and herpes information, I was like, there's so many different opinions here. I just need to go into myself and just find out for me what feels right. Tack into that authenticity principle. So I was laying down on the jujitsu mat, candles were out, the rain playlist is on, it's just rain's dropping. It's a night before I was about to meet this girl a few weeks ago. And I say to myself, what if the roles were reversed? What if with the girl you were most recently with, who our sexual relationship ended, uh, so it was two weeks, so it's like end of September now almost, so two, we we stopped being sexual sometime, it was around, the last time we had sex was my dad's, the day my dad died actually, so that was May 20th, yes, so just before, yeah, so a few weeks before June, the end of my outbreak in June. So it was May 20th, actually. So it's amazing that I could actually give you the exact date, just realizing how amazing that is. So, because that was the last time that we ever had sex. So, what about that girl? And I said to myself in this meditation, just go back. Go back to your first kiss with her and reverse the roles. So for those that you can actually go and listen to how this all unfolded because this girl was a pretty special girl to me. She was a girl that I, the first girl I'd fallen in love with in about six years or so. The first girl I told that I loved in six years as well. And there's a whole journey that's happened between her and I. And anyways, the if you want to listen to how we met, how that date actually went and et cetera, and some pretty powerful lessons about sexual connection and vulnerability, uh, emotional vulnerability. It's in a podcast titled Animalistic Sex Versus Deep Love. I'll do my best to give you a shortcut version of it. So we were on our, you could call it the second date. Really, it was really though the first, it was really the first day really. But anyways, but getting on the minutiae of things, we met up at the beach, sunset, Went for a swim and I was playing with her in the water. I was playing with her hands. I was throwing her around. I was bear hugging her in the water as the sun was rolling down. It was beautiful. There's a lot of connection between her and I, very physical as well. And I felt a deep pull to her magnetically. And then when we got back out onto the sand, I'd put a double leg takedown on her, put that double on her. <laughs> and I'd teach her how to choke me out. I choked her out. And so it was good. We played around with some, uh, some jujitsu. And so we're sitting there on the rug. I'm in a bear hug position with my legs like in like a middle splits almost like V'd out. She's sitting in my lap, so to speak. So we're like her back is to my chest and we're watching like, well, the sun's gone down now. The stars are out. It's dark and we're just talking shit and I'm finding that I'm so attracted to her. She is, uh, we just connect on everything. Everything that she likes, I like, et cetera. There's a real palpable feeling between her and I, not just the fact that I'm actually holding her and got my arms wrapped around it, but just spiritually and the energetic connection of things. And I'm really painting this out for you because I'm trying to paint for you if we're going to reverse reverse these roles now. So let's say, and oh, no, no, hang on, hang on, continuing. So we're in that moment. We're in that deep under the stars moment. And, you know, I kind of just like moved my body around slightly to the left, I guess, which is slightly in front of her, gesturing for her to look into me so we can be eye to eye. 
And I was looking to her eyes and I knew I wanted to kiss her for a long time. I was just looking, just waiting for that, perf- for that, just that silent drop, just where, okay, this feels the right moment because she's a bit of a chatterbox. She would not stop talking. And so finally she'd stop talking for some reason. I think she got distracted by the stars. And so I worked my way around the front and I'm like looking at her and I just give her that again, that, that silence that's just a little too long. That eye contact is just a little too long. Looking into the eyes, she gets it. She's hooking in me in the eyes. I lean in and I kiss her. Two, three very sweet motions. Fireworks. Just, but calm fireworks in a way. Just, just felt right. It felt so right. That first kiss. Now, what if, let's reverse the roles, that after our kiss there, Let's say five, ten minutes later, she was to do to me what I've said that I did to that girl two weeks ago, did for that girl two weeks ago. Let's just give her the same playbook that I used, which was we're there in those under the stars. We've had our first kiss. And by the way, it's like, it's very clear here that there's a real sexual connection. It's not just like we kissed and it's all right. No, it's like, oh, fuck. It's like, fuck. It's like that type of moment you know and uh, hopefully that's the moment you're having when you're kissing with someone hopefully that's where you've built up that sexual tension and that you've got that connection with them and you're not just uh doing it because it's something to do hopefully there is that fuck type moment where it's happening it's beautiful and so let's say that a few minutes later went by and she'd been talking and then she just says to me hey hey hang on a second and she kind of like comes up out of my lap and kind of just sits down in front of me she's eye to eye with me I'm like, whoa, what's going on? And she's like, well, there's something I feel like I should tell you. It's a really sensitive thing for me. It's really difficult for me to talk about. Uh, can we be real here? And I'm like, yeah, sure. What is it? And she goes, well, I think I need to let you know that I actually have what's known as HSV2 genital herpes. I have herpes. She lets that sit. And I'm like, uh, okay. And remember, by the way, this is Adam back in March that we met. So I don't know anything about this. I don't know anything about this. I don't even, even though I've already had my outbreaks, a one outbreak of HSV1 herpes, I didn't even know it was herpes at the time. I still didn't know it was herpes at that time. I didn't know anything about herpes until literally June. So at this time, let's just say Adam's completely unaware. And I'm like, uh, okay. And she goes, well, I just, I just want to let you know because I feel like I should give you the choice to, you know, make a decision about whether you want to go deeper with me here, knowing that there is a small risk of you contracting it from me, it transmitting from me. However, she was going to phrase it there, but essentially communicating that. And I'll go, the first thing I remember, and as I'm doing this meditation on myself, going, how would I react if she said that to me? And genuinely, I would have been like at that time, I'll be honest with you. I have no idea what you're talking about. Like I, I've heard of herpes before, and there was a girl, there was a model that I used to work with when I was doing photography. That I remember she saying she had herpes, but we never like discussed it. I didn't know what it meant. I've heard it in like you know, mainstream media, entertainment, that type of stuff. But so, can you like fill me in on what it actually is? And then she would hopefully go into using the same playbook that I did, telling me about how prevalent it is, how. Most adults are going to come into contact with it in Australia. Uh, most con- adults, in, in, not even just adults, mid to early teenagers, two adults are going to come into contact with it in the US. You know, three point something billion people have it in the world. This is how it manifests for me. Basically, I just want to be run down, you know, 
get these cold, get these what's known as cold sores. And you may have heard of that. And then that probably would have triggered something for me going, oh, cold sores. Shit. I thought I didn't know cold sores was herpes, right? I didn't know that's how it was like they were, that's the actual thing. That's probably what I would have said. And then she goes, yeah, like that's most people's understanding of it. So it's, it's to be honest with you, I only get an outbreak every now and again, like when I'm just a little bit stressed out. And if we were to continue like being, get a little deeper with each other, give me a bit of cheekiness there, maybe punching me in the chest, then I would always for sure tell you if I feel like I'm getting close to it, I get these warning signs that it gets a bit tingly when I feel like I'm com- something's coming on. And I have these antiviral supplements that I take and medications that I take to help suppress it when it does come out. And I'll definitely, would take some time off or, you know, we'll keep our space, so to speak, if uh, if that did happen. But that's that's how it manifests to me. And then I'll go, okay. So it's not life-threatening. She's like, nah, not life-threatening. I'm like, most people are going to get it. I probably already have it. She's like, you probably already have it. <laughs> I'm like, okay, shit. It just doesn't, it's just, and if she had already included me in on the whole difference between asymptomatic and symptomatic and et cetera. And I'm like, okay, so. I think about how I would have reacted to that. And you know what I would have said? I would have said nothing. And I would have kissed her again. I would have leaned straight into her and I would have kissed her again. I would have kissed, I would have planted my lips straight on her lips. I put my hand around her neck. I'd run my thumb over her cheeks look at her in the eyes and say, I don't give a shit because you're the cutest girl. The sparkle in your eyes, the heat from your lips, the beating of your heart, that's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here for. Just because you come along with this, tell me this viral infection that most people either have or are going to get or come to Concross at some point in their life, it doesn't change how I feel about you. That's how I would have reacted. If a woman said to me, now let's say that she had HSV too, I would have said the same thing. General herpes, I'm like, all right. Personally, I would have been like, all right. <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to, because this is a great example. The reason why I use this girl particularly, because it helps to line up with the uh, the trajectory of my journey and it helps you to fit things into my journey so I could throw in those pieces of me being un- truly unaware. That's why I didn't use the girl that I met a couple of weeks ago. Because to be honest, I'm being 100% fair. That girl that I met, Back in March, and the girl I was just talking about underneath the stars. Yeah, she was the first girl I fell in love with in six in six years or so. She meant a lot to me, and there was a very strange ending to that, which is not relevant to this podcast right now. I have discussed in a, another podcast called "How to Heal a Broken Heart," which is not actually the end of the story. There's a third part that needs to be made. There's a follow up to that for those that have heard uh, "How to Heal a Broken Heart." So, part one of my story of that particular girl is in animalistic sex versus deep love. Part two is in How to Heal a Broken Heart. Part three, I have not recorded yet. <laughs> uh, I don't know when I'm going to record part three. <laughs> but if I ever do, I don't know. I'm sure I will at some point. Anyways, all I'm trying to say is that it, that was a very meaningful relationship to me. And so if I'm telling you from the bottom of my heart, particularly if there's a girl listening to this right now, be upfront with a guy if you've got herpes. Because if you're upfront with me about it and we've got a true connection, I don't give a shit. I respect you more. I respect you more because of the fact that you had the confidence to be able to tell me upfront and it doesn't matter whether the fact that I already have HSV1 because I just took the example of when, let's say that I was with a girl when I didn't know that I had HSV1. I still would have reacted the same way that I just said, which is that I care more about who you are. I care more about your spirit. I care more about my eternal connection to which that exists within you, that which is undying, that which does not be described with words, that which I feel within the beating of hearts. 
Uh, when I slide into you, when you slide into me, when we feel the depths of who we are together in that raw connection, that organic space, that's what matters. That's what matters. You know, if you were to say to me, let's just take some other extreme examples. Let's just say that, just got to let you know, I've actually been diagnosed with cancer. I don't give a shit. I, I, obviously, I care for you, but I don't give a shit. That doesn't change how I feel about you. Let's say that you go, I've got a terminal, I've been diagnosed with XYZ terminal illness and I've only got a few years to live. And I'm like, I still accept you. That's what I'm here for as my masculine role. As a masculine being, I am a vessel of total acceptance that will accept you for whoever and whatever you present as. And that, whether that means we need to progress sexually, hey, that's what the journey is. And we'll find that out as we spend more time with each other. But I'm surely not going to cut off a sexual adventure, an adventure of human beings within a sexual space because of some unfounded fear around what I don't know, which is really just a hole, a hole of knowledge, a lack of understanding, a fear of my own understanding misunderstanding of what this actually is so i would have just i would have heard what she said taking the stats taking the ideas she said i would have done a little research myself just out of curiosity I'm very curious being and that would have been that and then we would have progressed and it wouldn't have changed a thing it would not have changed a thing we still would have had some of the best sex i've ever had in my life the best sexual connection the best spiritual connection it wouldn't have changed a thing and so when i went through that in my own meditation when I reversed the role and thought about how would it be if a girl actually told me, because this is the thing, is that if really, if the stats are true, and by the way, I'm sure they're very conservative stats as well. When they say 70 to 80 out of every 100 Australians has herpes, HSV1, the oral form, that's conservative, right? Because you never know how many people, I mean, they're obviously doing some kind of fancy modeling there, but if it's that conservative, at a minimum, if that's a lot of people, like it's a lot of minimum, it's a minimum, it's a lot of people. And so when I'm in my own meditation going that, if a girl had told me, and I was in quote unquote clean, even though I can really never confirm it, would that change how I feel about her? It's like, no, that would not change how I feel about her. Hmm. Then why would I be so worried about telling a girl? Because what does that speak to? Who am I looking for? Who was the type of girl that I was looking to be involved with? So the shoe fits. You know, the shoe fits on both sides here. It's the same size shoe fit in which that whatever you're going to do for yourself, you would expect others to do for you. And if you're going to do for yourself into the point in which that I want to be open, I'm going to be direct, I'm going to be honest with people. And yes, there's a point in which I'm going to draw a little bit of a nuanced line here as to I don't necessarily need to shake their hand and say, hey, my name's Adam, got herpes. <laughs> I don't necessarily need to do that. You can if you want, but I would... It's, it's it's none of my business. <laughs> uh, it's totally up to you, is what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that I think more so we're protecting against fear. We're protecting against the installation of fear. We're protecting against the installation of resentment. And so now I, I hope that to wrap that up, to wrap that up, that's how I came to the decision that I made with the girl that I was involved with two weeks ago. When I kissed her and I made the decision, I'm going to, this is the first girl I'm going to kiss with full awareness now that I have HSV1, which I've had for over a year, apparently, and probably even longer, actually, because I didn't manifest symptoms until at least two months after my last sexual encounter when I had that first outbreak. Then, is this something very new for me? But the way that I know I'm going to draw my line here or how I'm going to find my line, and I might have to adjust it by a few millimeters 
over the journey, but I think I'm pretty good. Like I think I've really drawn the line where I think it should be is because most people are going to come into contact with this at some point. You definitely know someone who has it, whether they know they have it or whether they have told you that they know they have it is a different thing, but you're definitely going to come to someone that knows that has it. Once you know that, it's like release the fear chains around it. Release just the the doom and gloom and the dun, dun, dun. Like forget that. Forget that, Jeffrey, and come into the moment and realize that life is to be lived in full expression. Sexual connection, sexual encounters, yes, be as safe as possible. Yes, be as conscious as possible. Yes, be as aware as possible. But not to the degree, in, or well, I should say, not to the degree in which that you're actually so consumed by it that you're missing the actual social dynamics. So don't go so extreme with it that your relationship becomes about it or the way that you're interacting with people. You can't even be present with them in the moment because you're so concerned about it. You know, just That's why I've really tried to be as colloquial, as bro-y, as just chill about it in this conversation as possible. I've tried not to... I know we've been talking about a lot of different things, but in the way that I'm talking, I'm hopefully giving you some ease, hopefully giving you some comfort about it. And it was like, if I could come to this place about it, then you can as well. Like if I'm not freaking out, and if on my first ever disclosure conversation, I was just like, okay, I realized this is the moment and yeah, it's like, okay, let's, let's, let's see how this goes. And that's the worst feeling I felt, which I wouldn't even really categorize as being a bad feeling. It was just... I've never done this before. Let's see how this goes. Bit of trepidation there. I hope that's where you would be with it. I hope that's where you would be with it. And if you did incur a negative response, if you did incur a rejection in quote unquote response, good. Save you some time. (laughs) Next, right, next. If you're going to incur such a low consciousness response to the point in which that person derides you, where that person shames you, where that person uh, ghosts you out, it's like, did you want that person in your life? No, you did not. So this is one other thing I want to address. I also went through a bit of a, I would say it was very short term, a mini, if you will, a mini episode of existential panic. <laughs> oh, I love that. A mini episode of existential panic in which that I thought when I finally dug into the stats and the research on herpes and I realized that, oh, okay, this is something that I'm going to have for life. When I realized that cold sores is herpes, it's something I'm going to have for life. So that means it's going to affect every relationship that I'm ever in. And when you when that dawns upon you, it's like, fuck. It's like, shit. But then you realize, hang on, wait. Slow down a second. If you're taking as much care of yourself as you possibly can, you're doing as much as you can for your immune system to suppress it. And if for those that are just naturally immunocompromised, you're taking antiviral protocols that on the daily that are helping with that. I'm personally not doing that, but if you are, okay. Then, then what are you worrying about here? It's like, what are you worrying about here? It's particularly once you combine that with the statistics of how prevalent it is, what do you actually worry about here? The fact that you just have to add one extra piece in your setup of a relationship. But it's like, if I think where the that little panic moment comes from, it's like, oh no, what if I'm never going to be accepted? What if someone's never going to like me again because of this? And it's just, it's a very irrational reaction to have. But then if you actually just calm down, step back and go, hey, 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 hey. 
It's got a terrible name. It's got a fear-mongering name. If they called it the happy virus, if they just, instead of herpes, just happy virus, how much that would change the perception. If it's like, okay, same symptoms, just the blistering on the lips, the cold sores around the nose and for some people the eyes. And if it's genitals, yeah, same thing, just down down below. And also, by the way, HSV2 is also associated with more flu-like symptoms as well. Not always, but can be. Okay, so same symptoms, but we just call it the happy virus. How does that make you feel about it? Knowing the same level of prevalence in society that is showing up in just as many people, that it's affecting people just as many ways, it can be transmitted in the same way, sexually, orally, lip to lip, etc. Okay, but we just call it the happy virus. How does it make you feel? For me, it was very alleviating. It just goes, what was I freaking out about? It's just because of the word, I think the word herpes itself, that's the stigma. It's the stigma, stigmatization of a name that conjures up something very mythical. Like these, because I, when I think herpes, I think those girls that have, those, those demon-like girls with giant wings that are coming to destroy you, right? That's, that's what I think when I think herpes, because it's so close to the word harpy. And so I, that's, I think there's something there. There's something un- unconscious and subconscious happening there. There's also the fact that no one fucking talks about it. That, and of the people that do talk about it, that it's very niche. You know, this is not a worldwide conversation. And also, by the way, if you just type into Google herpes in the images, it'll come up with a whole host of celebrities. Rihanna, et cetera. I can't remember any male celebrities. I just remember Rihanna being the first image that popped up that have uh, herpes HSV1 that have been on the red carpet and you can see their cold sores. When you start to realize, hang on, step back from a fear mongering, step back from thinking that it's the end of the world, it's the end of your dating life. It's not the end of your dating life. It's not. All it means is that you are just going to be funneling down the people that you are going to be interacting with because yes, I'm not going to deny there are going to be people out there that are uneducated, misunderstanding about what it is and may on a fear-based reaction reject you because of it. That potentially exists, Okay. But did you want that person in your life? No. So you've already selectively focused that person out. You've, you've worked them out of your, if you want, your, uh, <laughs> your, your study group here, your experiment. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. You've worked them out of your scope of life. Great, great, because it was going to find out at some point because surely the way you do anything is the way you do everything. If they were that intolerant, intolerant of something that is so relatively benign for the most part, then that was going to manifest in other ways anyway. So- Push that to the side. Forget about that. Call up the people that you want in your life. Call them up. Call them up. I don't just mean that like literally in terms of dial the number pad. I'm talking about call them into your life. Call them into your life by becoming the person you wish to become, which is someone who's open, honest, direct, congruent, authentic, with empathy, right? You're calling in those type of people because that's the person that you are. Then this whole herpes thing is going to be but a but a background activity in your life. Yeah. You had too many late nights in a, in a row, some uh, overseas travels, you know, some sleep deprivation, some shit food here and there. Hopefully not. Hopefully, hopefully not of all the things that I just said, but particularly with the shit food. Hopefully, your food's really manageable. Definitely sleep as well. But say things happen, right? Some stuff happened. You got stressed at work, fired from your job, whatever happened, and you got an outbreak. Okay, get under control. Get back to life. Get back to life. Okay, because. As I really demonstrated, 
I so really tried my best to demonstrate. I think it's probably the best part of this entire podcast. I'll think about it, looking back is when I said to you in the role reversal that if a girl that I was legitimately in the process of falling in love with, I didn't know I was in love with her at that moment. I don't think I was, but I was on that road and I was feeling an extreme connection with her. We had this beautiful moment, we had this gorgeous kiss together. It was like I said, a calm firework. And if she had then, after that, told me that she had either HSV1 or HSV2, just herpes in general, it would not have changed a thing. It would not have changed a thing about the way that I felt about her. Now, what would have helped, what helped the most about it not changing a thing was the fact that she had positioned the conversation so well that she had said that this is vulnerable for me. Uh, Being upfront, stating what she has, how it manifests, that I have a choice about whether to interact with her or not. She's just been so, just so transparent about what is happening here. It's like, how can you not be more drawn to that person if there was already a connection? Obviously, if you don't have a connection, then okay. But I, I wouldn't be turned off from someone because they did that. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you don't think about it that way. You can't think about it that way. So I hope that puts you to rest for you're a girl, you're a guy listening to this because what am I demonstrating for you there is that isn't that the person that you want? Like if you're her, isn't the guy that you want the guy that's not going to overly react, judge you harshly for this viral infection that you had no say in? No one is on a waiting list for herpes. No, why? Because it's so damn prevalent, you're going to get it anyway, right? For most people. So it's like and the majority, more than most people, you know? So it's, I think... To summarize this, to wrap this up, I think I've hit every point here that I needed to, and I want to really finalize on this. I'm in the beginning of my journey dealing with this, and if I'm at the beginning of the journey dealing with this, and I'm already feeling this good about it because of these mentalities, because of these mindsets, because of the practice, then you have no other reason. You have no reason to not be able to find that place for yourself. I think for all of you that are dealing with this right now, whether you know you have it symptomatically or asymptomatically, even if you're just one of my OG listeners that doesn't have it right now, maybe you're in that rare 30% that doesn't have it, then HSV1 at least, then hopefully you would be more empathetic and trained in now the and more worldly in the conversation of this. And hopefully your stigma has been broken down around it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm human just like you guys are. I went through a little moment going, shit, does this change my life now? Shit, is this a reason to be anxious and fearful now? For like a half second before I step back, calm the ship and go, of course not. Don't be ridiculous. Let's look at this right now. There's always a way around it. There's always a way of working forward, moving forward, moving closer together. That's what I'm talking about. That is exactly what I'm talking about. That's exactly where I wrap up the session. So X, thank you very much for sending in this DM. I hope, I hope that you heed my advice here and that you go to your partner and that you talk to her openly and honestly about it, making your apology where it needs to be had for whatever the mindset fault was there, whether because you were unaware or you were aware, didn't have courage, whatever it may have been, right? Step up, step up. Ask yourself to step up to the next level. Know that you will only be better off by stepping up to the next level, being far more congruent within yourself, outside of yourself and within yourself. It's been an absolute session. Thank you guys so much for being here. Wishing you all the love, peace, and joy. And that brings me to my thanks for all of you. Thank you, first off, for just being here, your presence. But please let me know. Let me know in a comment down below where you are in your lives, how you felt about this, any commentary. I'll do my best to get back as soon as I possibly can. 
And also, if you did enjoy the content, please hit the thumbs up on the YouTube video. It just helps it get sent out to more people in the community. And if you feel like this would resonate with someone else, please share it to some of your close friends. If you would like to dive into one-on-one -on -one coaching, that's all available on boldojo.com. Guided meditation, free resources of wisdom, free weekly on my newsletter, Bold Sip. Just chuck your email in, comes out every Friday. That's all available, all the links down below. And if you would like to support the podcast directly, you can donate anything that you wish through the PayPal link down below or on the website, boldojo.com in the podcast section. Anything that you guys give is always super appreciated. So thank you very much. Wishing you all the love, peace, and joy in this life.